Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and today we're doing a special roundtable discussion. I know we normally do only one of these a month, but this show has been so good that we had to do this. Like I've been waiting since the finale to talk about this, and that would be The Mandalorian, and I've got two very special guests here to talk about it. First, we have the writer of the award-winning screenplay Paradigm, which I know has been uh, making quite the run in the festival circuit. Mr. Steve Wise, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely. And also joining us, we have actor and fellow podcaster, the host of the Lights Thunder Action podcast, Mr. Thomas Carter Rochester. How are you, sir? Hello there. I am absolutely wonderful. I'm not going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi the whole time, though. How are you, Derek? <laughs> I love the impression, by the way. I love Obi-Wan. He's my favorite character from Star Wars. He's, he's the best character from a certain point of view. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because my two favorite characters are Obi-Wan and R2-D2. Like two complete opposite ends of the spectrum, but like you, you can't not love R2. He's just been res- responsible for so many fun moments in the Star Wars franchise. So you got to mm. love him. They're so both just sassy. flying somehow. But then he forgot how to fly. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they disabled, you know, that uh, uh, technology at some point, you know. Maybe there's an untold story there. Yeah. Make it happen. R2 spinoff uh, series on Disney Plus. They're doing everything else, so they might as well do an R2 series. Well, there is a droid story, so maybe we'll get that backstory in that animated show. One can only hope. Damaged his rockets and uh, couldn't fly ever again. That actually is not a bad idea. You can do an episode where, say, like he caught, like he does something to cause um, Antilles to be like, "All right, you're getting rid of this. You're getting rid of that. You've got just the bare bones (laughs) stuff." I think that'd be really cool, actually. But that's just me. Yeah, he's too much like Anakin, so they had to, you know, take him down a couple pegs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we're we're here to talk about The Mandalorian, which just wrapped season two. And we'll get to the season as a whole here in a second. But I wanted to ask both of you, and Thomas, we'll start with you, because all three of us are huge Star Wars fans. What was your initial reaction a couple of years ago when The Mandalorian series was announced? Because it was something that you know, we didn't really know a lot about, like, you know, you think of the upcoming Obi-Wan series, everybody knows who Obi-Wan is. You have other properties that are more known, but you're like, what is this Mandalorian? Like we know Boba Fett, but we didn't Mm -hmm. really see much of him in the actual film. So what, what was your initial reaction when you found out this series was announced? Uh, My initial reaction was, uh, because if I remember right, it was just, we're making the Mandalorian. That's all they announced. And I was like, cool that's not very vague at all it's like an entire planet an entire creed and race so like thanks for narrowing down what the show is going to be about um but because they didn't narrow it down and having watched all of clone wars and rebels i was like well i hope they bring in this character and this character and that character and this character and they bring boba fett back to life they bring him out of the sarlacc pit they bring back tamura morrison and pretty much everything i was hoping would happen except for one character happened this season so it's very exciting <laughs> what about you steve um well a uh, couple things first um i know they had been talking about a boba fett movie 
for a while. I think James Mangold had been attached to it at one point, and it just it never materialized. And when uh, Solo, you know, underperformed, let's say, uh, and Lucasfilm decided, okay, we're not going to pursue any more standalone films right now. It was kind of disappointing to not see Boba Fett be developed as he should be. And there was also George Lucas at one time before he sold Lucasfilm to Disney was developing a live action Star Wars series, which got scrapped. Apparently they had like 50 scripts or so that were just sitting on the shelf. And you know, some details have come out as far as what he was doing and it doesn't sound great. Um, so there was already hype for a live action TV series and something with Boba Fett in it. And so I was excited for both of those things. And when neither of them happened, it was like, eh. And then here comes live action uh, Star Wars series about a Mandalorian, but not Boba Fett. So it was kind of an unusual thing. And, and I was excited about seeing Star Wars on a weekly basis, but I didn't know what to expect. And honestly, I had kind of low expectations. So um, when it finally premiered, you know, it, it was uh, a very pleasant surprise. And I should preface this by saying if you have not seen, especially season two of Mandalorian, go watch it, then come back and listen to the show because we're, we're going to get into all the spoilers. Were, were we supposed to watch season two? <laughs> um, might help. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're not only I'm just going to throw this out there because I say it in my my show all the time. We're not just going to spoil like the Mandalorian season two, but season one and every show and every movie and possibly every book. If it's in Star Wars, we're probably going to ruin it for you. So if you haven't, if you're ready for that, just be just be prepared because we're going to we're going there. We are. Absolutely. And it's one of those things like I, I'm very much spoiler friendly in the sense that I like to give people time to mm -hmm. to watch the, the episodes like I was having this conversation the other day is like usually with movies, I think two weeks is about the right time frame as far as not posting spoilers. And then with, with, with Mando, especially with this season, I tried to give roughly a week before I would like say anything on social media. Because with the finale, it was really hard. Because, Ooh. and we'll 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 get in. I'll save it. We'll get into that in a bit. But I, I echo your sentiment, Steve. You know, I, I remember reading about that live action series that George Lucas was developing. And I was like, oh, Star Wars on TV, awesome. You know, you give me Star Wars content, and I will take it. At this point, like it's to me, you can't have too much Star Wars. Some people, you know, thought that. There's a little bit, you know, oversaturation with the spinoffs, with the trilogy, but I, I personally never felt that. You know, I, I didn't think Solo was a terrible movie. It's not the best Star Wars movie, but it, it had its moments. But none of them are perfect, besides Empire Strikes Back. But that's a discussion for another time. But um, no, I, no and, there's there's the kiss. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I for, yeah, I try not to think about that, but um. <laughs> Yeah, so when I found out about The Mandalorian and then it wasn't about Boba Fett, I was kind of disappointed because here's a character that people love, but if you think about it, he didn't really do anything in any of the movies. He just kind of fell in the Sarlacc pit, and that was really about it. So I didn't really know what to expect. I know that it was set in the Star Wars universe, so I'm like, obviously I'm going to give it a shot. And then the first episode dropped, watched it, 
and I was hooked. Like this, it, it felt like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think the more recent movies have lacked in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like this, to me, and maybe it being the time period, because The Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. I fe- it felt like that original trilogy, in a sense. You know how like that original trilogy had stuff that you didn't quite know what was going to happen, and it had that little bit of a kind of a weirdness to it, in a way, but that added to its charm. And that's what I felt about The Mandalorian. I, do you guys feel the same way? Well, I, I don't know if I totally agree that the uh, sequels don't feel like uh, Star Wars, because I think that they made a concerted effort to try to make it feel like it was in that universe, um, as opposed to the prequels that obviously were cleaner and they weren't as, you know, it wasn't as grimy of a world. Um, and, you know, the, the ships were, were shiny and brand new and sleek. And, you know, so it just had a, the prequels had a different feel to it. It, it literally felt like it was in a different universe because it was supposed to be a different time and place. Um, right. But yeah, you're right. Mando, um, it felt like we dropped right squarely into that time period that uh, mm-hmm. where it's supposed to take place. And um, what I find funny, though, is um, all the callbacks to the prequels that it has, that it didn't doesn't only reference the events that in their timeline had just recently happened, you know, with Return of the Jedi having taken place just like five or six years prior to that. But there's callbacks to the prequels with, you know, the, the um, mechanical droids, you know, there in just different, different things that pop up that, and of course the M count. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, okay, they're not ignoring the prequels. They, it, it's part of this universe and part of the show. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I feel um, I feel pretty much the exact same way. And the thing that when when the first episode came out and there was 10, 15 lines, maybe of like the entire it just felt like there was no talking. It really reminded me of the the first act, really, where you're just stuck with droids for the most part. You have a couple lines here and there and then you're walking through the desert and it's what 35 minutes before Luke even shows up on screen. And it just had that same feeling. And. I think I was five or 10 minutes into the first episode and I specifically try to not watch the episode unless it's with my dad because Star Wars is our thing. And I looked over him and I was like, this is literally the best space Western I've ever seen. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I've seen some stuff, dad. And this <laughs> is like sci-fi and Westerns had the most beautiful baby of shiny metal Beskar. And that's what we're watching. And he was like, first off, what's Beskar? Uh, but but it was just the, the the way that they really brought in that original feel of the of a new hope, which I saw at seven years old, much like a lot of people, just you know, like 20 years later than everybody else. Um, it, it had that same vibe and that same feel. And I was wondering, which we found out later when they premiered the Disney Gallery season one. It's because they went back, they didn't go back to watch Star Wars, they went back to watch the Kurosawa films, to watch the old westerns all of the things that inspired George Lucas to build on there. And they're like, well, let's just take those inspirations because that's what star Wars is and is about. And this season, especially there are certain shot for shot remakes of shows and movies of, of various genres that it's just like, Oh, it is a beautiful thing to see. You know, you go from a heist film 
episode to the very next thing is an old school samurai battle. And it's the way that they can weave in all of these genres, um, especially with all the different writers and directors that they have on there. Well, all the directors pretty much Fabro writes everything is well, just Filoni also. Filoni. He's got it. He's got well, Filoni has got his hands in everything, and we <laughs> need more Filoni. I just want I'm gonna say that now. I'm all in on Filoni doing everything in Star Wars. I don't but disagree I love with it. That. Yeah, right. Have you seen Clone Wars? <laughs> <laughs> actually, no, I haven't. I've, I've watched a handful of episodes, but I haven't actually gone through the whole series yet. Yeah, I it's something that I know I need to do. I've watched enough episodes to kind of get a feel of what the show is like and i think it lives up to what everyone says about it you know i don't know really anybody who dislikes clone wars or rebels you know Mm -hmm. i hear nothing but good things about it it's just there's so much content that's out there And, and even with i use clone wars and rebels as an example there's so much content out there that it's tough to digest everything because, like, you know, we can be having a conversation. I'll be like, oh, well, have you seen this on Amazon Prime or have you seen this on Hulu? And you're like, no, but have you seen this on Netflix or on Disney Plus? I'm like, no, I haven't got a chance to see that yet. There's just so much that's out there. It's it's insane. Yeah. But it's a good well, thing. The, the, the Clone Wars, I think the, the style of the animation and the tone of the show um, just didn't jive with me early on. But I know that um, as the series progresses, the mythology is really built up. Uh, you know, to the point of where you, you really get sucked in. So um, it, it's on my list to watch. But, and I know that Mandalorian takes certain elements from that that you don't necessarily have to have seen the show, but it, it's good to have that reference. If you, if you have that background, things click a little bit easier. But, mm-hmm. you know, I give, give the writers of the Mandalorian credit for weaving in some of that mythology, but making it accessible to people who don't necessarily know that mythology. Right. Something that I thought was one of the high points of season one, and this isn't a knock on season two at all, but what I loved about season one was that you knew it took place in this huge universe, this huge galaxy with so many characters, but it felt like an intimate story. You know, here's this bounty hunter who's been given this essentially a job of, you know, delivering this child who looks like Yoda to what's left of the empire but he develops that consciousness that conscience and his bond with who we now know as grogu and you it takes this interesting like a very intimate and kind of a heartfelt story that takes place in this huge universe and i I think that was one of the big appeals of season one to me well you know what i find interesting too on, on that note is we don't know the characters names right off the bat you know, mm-hmm. the Mandalorian, well, he has a title, but not a name. And the child, you know, again, it's a title, not or way of referring to him, but we don't know Rogu's name until partway through season two. Uh, Din Djarin, we don't hear that until the very end of season one. But yet you're so engrossed in these characters that that, that is almost beside the point. But when you do find out their names, it's like, oh, okay. And it, it humanizes them, well, you know, as much as you can with a little green alien. But, um, but it gives them a little, you know, more connection that, it's like, oh, okay, I'm already connected to them, but now I know a little bit more about them. And mm-hmm. it has, it's like an onion, you know, peeling out, peeling layer by layer. 
this show is really good at that of here's you know we're presenting you this but then each episode kind of feels away a little bit and you you learn a little bit more and more and i, I like that slow burn you know I love what you said, Derek, about season one and it's this intimate story in a vast universe. I think the reason season two doesn't feel that way is because it's just full of fan service, like through <laughs> and through. But my favorite, you know, I've gone back and had to rewatch each episode at least five times each week to get, you know, all of the notes for my various projects going on that focus on Mandalorian. And the thing that I always end up recognizing is, you know, after, again, multiple rewatches is once the fan service dies down at the end of the day, not a lot happens except for Mando's Mando's mother cub vibe and protect it, uh, wanting to protect Grogu gets so heightened to the point that when we get to the finale, he does the thing we never thought he would do for Grogu. And not only that, but you have that major moment that happens and then it ends with the moment that, you know, of, of Grogu and Mando parting ways. And it's just so heartbreaking after going, you know, screaming at the TV, making, you know, pretty worried that I was going to have the cops called on me because I'm freaking out, screaming like a woman, <laughs> like, ah, what's happening? to just bawling my eyes out and going, you can't let him grow, man. He's so cute. Like, well, are you going to live with yourself? And it they just switched it on a dime in a way that, you know, only really seems to happen in Pixar movies. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that they took a puppet and made him one of the most likable and, dare I say, lovable and relatable characters that I've yeah. seen on screen in quite some time? It's it's insane, but like from the very moment that he shows up, like everyone loves Grogu, and it's crazy mm -hmm. because I haven't felt like, and maybe the Star Wars bias in me is showing here a bit, but dare I say, in conversations I've had with people that aren't like huge Star Wars fans, they watch The Mandalorian for this character. And they're like, I swear, if something happens to him, I'm going to find Jon Favreau and I'm going to beat him myself. It's crazy. But, yeah, I I keep thinking, had they had all the Baby Yoda merch ready for last Christmas, they would have made so much money. They're still making a lot of it now, but I think the demand just would have been so high. Well, John Favreau specifically did not want to spoil the show by releasing merchandise. Yeah. And, you know, he was saying that as far as like the final episode also that, you know, they kept it tightly under wrap and they did not go out to any other, you know, even the documentary um, that's, that's released on Disney. The gallery. The, yeah. yeah. Um, which I guess is just one episode for season two, but there's no mention of, the guest, you know, the, the surprise guest, because um, there's a third party production company that produces those. And so they just, they didn't even let them know about it because they wanted no leaks. And man, for something that big to have been kept a secret and nobody released, I mean, there was zero uh, rumors about that coming out at all. I mean, there was speculation, but mm -hmm. it just, you know, there's a lot of, YouTubers out there that, you know, release um, 
sometimes accurate uh, information, sometimes just pure rumors and speculation um, that, that's passed off as news. And uh, nobody was reporting that. So, yeah. I mean, it took everybody by surprise. I give them all the credit for that. <laughs> Which was great because with the internet, one of the cons of it is that there are spoilers out there and you might stumble upon something that you don't want to know. Mm-hmm. But for, for that, like you said, Steve, no one knew. And when that happened, it took me everything to just not start screaming. Because I, I watched every episode in the morning before I would go to work. Because I, I knew that I would get spoiled. Because it happened with me in um, the first episode of uh, of Mando in season one. Like, I had the Baby Yoda reveal spoiled for me. Because oh. I didn't watch it, like, that day. Because people were posting it on Facebook. They were taking, you know, the screen, uh, the screen cap of whenever he pulls the blanket down for the first time and you see his face. People were posting that on their Instagram stories. And I'm like, what's the deal? Why? You, <laughs> why? Why? And so I made it a point that I would watch every episode before I went to work. And when that happened, because I was watching it at like seven o'clock in the morning and it took me everything to not scream and wake up my girlfriend in the next room. Like it just took everything. I'm just like, it was, it was nuts for those who were, for those who are only listening to the audio version, I was holding my mouth shut, trying not to scream. Yeah. I watched... Thomas, I wanted to uh, actually address a couple things that you said. Okay. Uh, one was on fan service, and you know that that term gets a lot of negative uh, connotations, mm-hmm. and rightfully so because you look at what they did with Solo, for instance, where uh, we have to explain how Han got his last name as opposed to just being his name, and yeah. we have to explain how he got his gun. Like, who cares? It's a gun, you know. That you don't have to go through and have every single aspect of that character that we've seen on screen have an explanation. And so, you know, people get turned off by that and other movies have done yeah. that also. Um, but with this show, the, the quote unquote fan service, it, it's, yeah, it, it's satisfying to fans, especially those who, you know, like I said, have, have been watching the Clone Wars in particular with Bo-Katan and um, Ahsoka, um, Ahsoka Tano. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, coming on, but the thing is that those characters are natural to this story. Mm-hmm. You know, if we yes. had Chewbacca just show up out of the blue, like, why? You know, why yeah. is he there for you know a particular Jedi <laughs> showing up? It was set up, and you know when Grogu is taken to the, the mountaintop and put on the the Soul Stone, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> They, uh, you know, he's calling out to a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Well, there's speculation. Which Jedi is going to, you know, uh, receive the call and come for him? Well, there's really only one, you know. And and if if other Jedi, if Mace Windu just suddenly reappeared, it's like, well, okay, that's cool that he's there. But now we have to explain yeah. why, he's, why alive. he's still yeah. alive, where he's been, what it wouldn't make sense in in the context and you know the few other characters that um you know were bounced around too but there's really only one logical character and man they delivered and so yes it's appealing to the fans it's fan service in that regard but it it works in the context of the story so yeah and organic it organically happens which is very rare 
these yeah. days, you know, when it comes to uh, pop culture icon or, or zeitgeist shows and movies, it's usually just like, we're doing this. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. I wish you did have done it a slightly different way because that sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. Um, like, uh, you know, Wonder Woman just did something that I did not anticipate them doing. And everyone that I watched it with was looking at me like, are you okay? And I was like, you guys don't understand what they're about to do. But I picked up on what they're putting down. And they're just like, what? Then they didn't. I don't want to spoil it for anybody because I don't know if anyone's seen Wonder Woman. But they did something that I didn't expect. And I lost it. And I tried really hard not to scream because <laughs> there was a lot of dialogue going on. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And as uh, uh, as someone who has watched all the other things, it it the fact that they made it work so well and it just happened organically is what makes, you know, I love fan service. I am a big fan <laughs> of the fan service. Very often do I not like Han, how he got his name? Really dumb. Han getting his gun. I didn't even realize that was his gun. I didn't care about the gun whatsoever. So like certain, most of the time I'm just like, yeah, give it to me, hit me. And if I don't like it, oh, well, I'll just brush that off. Like I'm Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi. <laughs> well, the other, the other thing too, that I was going to mention was uh, you talked about the uh, Grogu being handed off and, mm. you know, he and Din separating. Well, that again is the logical ending for this mm -hmm. because, you know, everything was building up to it. That was his mission. That was his quest was mm -hmm. to deliver Grogu to his people. And he did, he succeeded. And, you know, it, I, I think everybody was expecting that to take longer, you know, so not to end it right there on, on season two with that. But, but the thing is that that's, you know, precisely what season two's story was. So if, if they didn't end it that way and you know, okay, we have another continuation, then season three just becomes more of the same. Mm -hmm. So now you don't know what to expect with season three. You know, we've mm -hmm. got issue with the black saber and Bo-Katan and okay, that all that drama. And, but you know, are we going to see Rogu again? Uh, I have a sneaky suspicion. We will maybe not right off the bat, but you know, we, they could do a time jump and have it, several years later or moved right into something something mm -hmm. else but i'm sure they've got something up their sleeve that will be interesting yeah and as, as having watched clone wars i'm getting this feeling like they're gonna take a quick clone wars vibe and because they've mentioned that it, it might not be the, the show might not be a linear story and they keep hinting at that so i'm wondering if perhaps season three might be Din's, and I'm thinking of this on the spot right now because I have a whole <laughs> different fan story that I've been working on for the entire season of what season three will be. Um, but I, I'm wondering if season three might end up being uh, like interspersed with a, a simple story and then flashbacks to explain what's happening, similar to how we got Cobb Vance flashback yeah. in uh, episode one of this season, chapter nine. Um, but, but I think that if they do go that route, then what is going to happen after is going to make it a lot more, be a lot more monumental and it'll be, feel more earned for the audience. Um, because I, I'm just going to say it now, I think Mando becomes the Mandalore and I've been on that train since season one. 
or well, season two, once they mentioned that the Mandalore is not Bo-Katan, I was like, oh, well then in that case. Um, but I, uh, I, I'm in the fact that Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic and Mando are all supposed to tie in together, but Ahsoka is not finished being written. Uh, Rangers of the New Republic, no one has any idea where that is, and they're <laughs> about to film season three of Mando. It's giving me some Clone Wars vibes that we might get some interspersed flashbacks to build to a bigger reveal later on, similar to how we learned about Echo and Fives and how they started um, as, you know, uh, in the on Camino, only to lead to Echo's quote unquote death before his eventual robotic reveal in return. Well, you also have the Book of Boba Fett that's supposed to tie into that, too. Which yeah, was yeah, an which, awesome surprise. Another, <laughs> another secret that they kept. I, I love this. I mean, they just, um, you know, for, for us being in a culture where everything gets spoiled, it's so nice and refreshing to be surprised. When I was sitting there, and the cool thing about the final episode, so in every episode of Mandalorian, during the end credits, they show the concept art, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they showed none of it in the final episode, which... Did it feel to you guys like a series finale and not a season finale? Like you're like mm-hmm. you, that show can end and mm-hmm. it's on a good note. But I mean, we know there is going to be a season three, but yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there just kind of digesting what all happened. Cause in addition to the end, to me, the entire episode was really, really good. And one of the best episodes of the entire series period, but I'm just kind of sitting there kind of digesting what happened. And then I see the shot of, Jabba's palace and I'm like oh there's more <laughs> and then Bip Fortuna sitting on the throne I'm like he Bip made it staff. he Bip made Fortuna. it <laughs> <laughs> he survived only to also become lethargic and large <laughs> I guess what we're learning is uh, mob bosses are just gluttonous and, well, I mean, and being on Tatooine, where there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, natural food grown. So it's like, what are they eating exactly? <laughs> cease, all, cease all physical activity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we no, don't and, come outside. We just get fat and sit on the throne. That's what we do now. Well, and then, you know, you- Boba Fett shows up, kills Bib Fortuna, sits on the throne, and just like, boom, the book of Boba Fett. Because I was thinking when they did that investors meeting, I was like, they haven't said anything about Boba Fett, which I thought was weird. And now we know why, because they wanted to reveal it after Mando, which was perfect. I love the way they did it. Yeah. And there had been major rumors that uh, David Thompson and I covered on Life's Interaction because it kept popping up. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. How is season three of Mando going to be all about Boba Fett? And then also there was another rumor that it's just a Boba Fett prequel series. And I'm like, none of this is making any logical sense on how it's going to work. And now because of the way they set it up, it's like, oh, okay. Now it makes sense because not only can you find out how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit, but you can also see what he's about to do next, which is I'm at a 50-50. I don't know whether he's about to become the biggest mob boss in the entire galaxy or he's going to start laying waste to other mob bosses because he was in debt to Jabba and now he's going to be an honorable man with hard quotations. You know, personally, I don't care how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. I mean, we, we saw in, was it, uh, episode one of uh, the season, chapter nine, uh, that uh, Din 
went into that uh, what was the the dragon thing crate and dragon. Uh, the crate dragon thing, which is not on crate. <laughs> but uh, it went in there and it basically blew it up from the inside and, and escaped. And so there's no reason to not think that Boba Fett did something similar, you know. Mm -hmm. So he was he was able to use his skills and got out. We don't need to see that dramatized, you know. Let's use our imaginations. I mean, we know he survived, and let's you know just leave it. I would love to see what he did in the last five years or however long since he got out of the. Sarlacc pit like what was he doing I'm more intrigued about that than yeah. how did he survive the Sarlacc pit because it's obvious it's best guard duh but it's like what was he doing was he just healing the whole time well he He's... lost his his armor somehow and that, there's <laughs> yeah, a story exactly. right there how Cobb Vanth you know how he lost the armor eventually to yeah. Cobb Vanth which I would hope they would bring Timothy Oliphant back because I actually really liked his character I did too yeah yeah, how can you not like Tim? I love the fact that he's actually a good guy because every time I see him, I think of the character he played in uh, The Girl Next Door, which I saw far younger than I should have been watching that movie. <laughs> and I'm just like, that guy, I instantly thought he was, he's like, I bought it off some jobs. I'm like, you're a liar. You lie all the time. And then I'm like, oh, wow, he's actually <laughs> a nice guy. Okay, I like this version of Timothy Oliphant. More of this, please. I was expecting some type of twist where he was going to be a bad guy, but I was actually relieved to find out he was not. And I, I hope they bring him back in some way, form, fashion, whether it's in the Boba Fett series, which I think is the natural thing to do, or in season three of Mando. I think it'd be great. I want to see uh, Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett team up to clean up Tatooine. I don't know why I want to see Tatooine cleaned up, but I kind of do. <laughs> So I'm just like, I don't, I mean, normally you just let, you know, Tatooine just, you know, what happens on Tatooine usually dies on Tatooine, but I'm really intrigued to see what happens because Boba Fett could be the magistrate of that world very swiftly and it wouldn't take more than, uh, I don't know, whatever a month would be on that planet to like clean up all of Tatooine because he would just kill anybody like he did Bib Fortuna. Well, my question is, do they still have slaves on Tatooine? Probably, you know, I mean, we never saw that in you know, the original Star Wars, of course, but, um, you know, never got into the, the culture, the, po the uh, politics of Tatooine, mm -hmm. you know, at, at that point. So, um, you know, maybe that's something to that they could explore. Oh, Boba Fett frees the slaves. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. that'll piss Padme off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, luckily she wait, doesn't wait, have to really worry about that. Which, by the way, uh, another thing that I really appreciated was how they handled the, the uh, um, sand people in, in yes. that episode. Because mm -hmm. you know, it, it literally was the cowboys and Indians type of uh, type of story, where you know, it's like okay, you have these enemies that have to team up to fight a common enemy, mm -hmm. and you look at the indigenous people and you know, kind of the tribal and realize okay they they actually have their own culture and they're you know they're not necessarily bad guys they just look differently than what, you know we know and uh, I, I really like that i, I like, that. I, like to see I, more of it. I feel like what they did in that because i was listening to the uh kenobi um uh, audiobook from the legends book series back in the, when it used to be canon but now it's not because you know disney does whatever they want to um i was actually 
at the last two chapters of that book and it's Kenobi, uh, a couple other people. And then the other main character of the book is a Tuscan. And it's the leader of a Tuscan tribe as they're dying down and it builds and builds and builds. And you find out she's actually a woman and nobody knows she's a woman because she wears all the stuff. And then it builds up and builds up. And I stopped. We watched that episode. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the crate dragon. That's the same sound they use in the book. And then they get I after I listen to the last two chapters and you fight the crate dragon. Kenobi kills the crate dragon. And I'm like. I'd started the book three days before and it's like 13 hours. And all I could think while watching that episode was, Oh my God, they're literally making everything from Kenobi canon right now in this 40 minute episode, which is beautiful because that was my favorite part of the book, learning about the Tuscans and the fact that the reasons the Tuscans were doing whatever they were doing and starting to go against their code or their creed, if you will, was because Anakin Skywalker slaughtered like three tribes when they were come came together because they killed his mommy. And he hates sand, which fair. Which well, by the way, knows. in uh, A New Hope, when the droids first land on Tatooine, when C-3PO is walking by, you see a skeleton in the background mm-hmm. of one of the dunes. That's a skeleton of a crate dragon. Yeah. And also when dragon. Obi-Wan first shows up, that noise he makes is the great dragon, dragon. Right? yeah so it's like it's just you know see that's that's what i'm talking about with fan service that is it works in the, in the natural you know, universe uh, you know it's it's good storytelling because they tie mm-hmm. things in that you know wouldn't necessarily know one one thing or another but it's like okay they take this one little element and then dramatize it and, and bring it you know bring it to life and it's like oh okay you can go back and Look at it and appreciate that now for uh, mm-hmm. the world building that it is. And they brought back R four. Yeah, R four. Yeah, and that's something about season two that I love because there's, to me, they're similar but different in the sense that you know I mentioned season one feels like a very intimate story, where it's just Mando and Grogu fighting the world. Whereas in season two, you bring in Bo-Katan, you bring in Ahsoka Tano, you bring in other characters from the shows that people know. And to me, it feels like Mando is being forced to be a part of the larger world and not this little intimate story that he has, which I think is a cool progression. I don't know if you guys felt that as well, but that was something I especially noticed after the uh, first episode where Bo-Katan shows up is that I feel like, okay, now he's to use an Obi-Wan quote, he's taken his first step into a larger world. You know, that's yeah. I really like that. I, I feel like his real first step would have been season three. I mean, sorry, chapter three, when he decided to just murder the empire, which was so awesome. Um, and then, you know, that's his first step into a larger, cause he was just sticking to himself. And then at that point he went against everything he was supposed to do. It's all about the job, all about this. Um, and then really episode, uh, chapter eight, when Gideon shows up and then we get the dark saber reveal and all of that stuff. He just, he does a lot of things that you didn't expect, but as soon as Bo-Katan showed up and I have this theory when it happened that, you know, after chapter three of season one, 
everything changed. The entire format of the show changed. See, uh, chapter one, two, and three is a linear story. It yep. makes sense. It's it's one concise art, uh, act one, two, and three. Then you planet hop for, what is it? Four, five, six. Yeah, for three episodes. And then you get back to the plot in seven and eight. I had the idea that as soon as three happened, instead of doing that planet hopping thing, we would actually continuously tie in to the plot as we go along. And we ended up, I ended up being mildly right. We met Bo-Katan. We learned about Ahsoka and the Jedi. Then we go back to Navarro to fix the ship, which then we learned that Moff, he learns Moff Gideon's still alive. And then it's Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano. Then you got to go to Tython. Then we go to Tython. Then he gets taken. Then we have a weird side story, which turned out to, honestly, it might be my favorite episode. It's definitely my favorite scene of Mando ever. And that's including the reveal of the Jedi where Miggs Mayfeld, uh, Mayfeld is sitting there and Valen Hess is just being ultra evil. And like you can see him going through the, I don't want to shoot this guy in front of everyone, but I'm going to have to shoot this guy. And as soon as that episode ended and I realized it was Rick Famuyiwe, I was like, give that man an entire trilogy because all of his episodes have been my favorite episodes until this season. Episode six is my favorite episode, the heist or no, the prisoner, excuse me. That is my favorite episode. It's so weird. It's so violent. It's so Star Wars and the Jawas and, you know, Suka, Suka. I love that. And that episode, like I need him to do a a whole trilogy or give him a show because he, he delivers all the time. And he goes into the weirdest parts of the corner of the galaxy and makes you go, huh? I never thought of it like that. Yeah, and I don't remember how I started this, but Rick Famuyiwa, <laughs> <my> trilogy. <laughs> if you take away anything from this podcast, it is that. Yeah. No, and that that's the cool thing about the show too is you know we we mentioned the the earlier episodes of season one having that kind of western type of mm. feel. You take the the Jedi episode with Ahsoka Tano. If that doesn't feel like a straight up Japanese samurai film. I don't know what it is because it's even like shot for shot like a samurai film, which I I think is great. You know, uh, there were some Mm -hmm. people I read online that were complaining it was a too little on the nose, but like, I, I didn't think that I think if anything, it added to the feel of first off too little on the nose for people who have never watched those samurai movies. So come on, you know, it's people are going to complain to complain. Yeah. I mean, it's not like there's this huge, fandom of samurai you know movies out there that you know they oh yeah i I recognize that shot from that movie no these are for cinephiles and people who you know know the material and it's very few people who i mean i haven't watched all those samurai movies and you know i studied foreign language films um but you know but to to go back and see what they've done it's like oh that's that's really cool you know Mm -hmm. that's just um you know, it gives you new appreciation for what, how much detail they put into the series from the writing and directing standpoint. Well, and some people are just going to be negative for the sake of it. I can't remember the website, but there was a website when I was reading like a recap of that episode. They actually had screen caps from old samurai films yeah. and put them side by side with screen caps from the episode of The Mandalorian. And I was like, this is really cool and and to add to your point you know it just shows the care and the dedication that these filmmakers have 
to make the show a reality. And, and it, it shows through every single episode because you can tell that Favreau, Filoni, and everyone who works on this show genuinely cares and wants it to be good. And it shows to me in every episode. Even the episodes that may not be as good. Like, I know a lot of people didn't like The Passenger from this season. Mm -hmm. But even still, like, that compared to other episodes I've seen of TV. (laughs) Yeah, Frog Lady. (laughs) uh, It still wasn't... Yeah, was it probably my least favorite episode of the season? Yeah. But I didn't hate it. Yeah. I didn't either. I hate the spiders, because... Oh, I love that. Um, And that added horror elements. Yeah. But Derek, you're talking about, you know, the negativity. We've reached a point now, there's a cycle that we go through with anything that becomes popular that, you know, so it's new and it's exciting and people have jumped on board and then there's this, you know, great love for it. And then it reaches a point where then people start tearing it down. And there's already people that are starting to do that online. And, you know, like the, a particular um, so-called uh, journalist that um, was reporting inaccuracies and trying to say how, you know, there's all this behind the scenes drama and that um, Pedro Pascal, you know, was, was had walked off the set and they fired him halfway through production because he wanted to take his helmet off. He didn't want to have, you know, have to wear that. And it's like, you look at the, the way that the, the series is laid out. Yeah, he does take his helmet off, but it makes sense in his character arc. At no point did we ever get the sense that, oh, okay, we were doing this because the actor, uh, kind of like Spider-Man 2. You know, there's a lot of shots of Spider-Man after he's taken his, his hood off. And largely that's because Sam Raimi felt like we needed to humanize him and see his face as opposed to seeing the hood. Well, uh, yes and no. I, I disagree with that to, to some mm-hmm. degree. Um, but with the Mandalorian, you know, that's his character. And, and they, episode by episode, they set the stage that, you know, he, that's his creed. And that's, that's, you know, a belief that's ingrained in him that he cannot let any other living being see him with his helmet off. And then, you know, there was some complaints about the um, uh, season one episode where he took his helmet off, but he did it to, you know, to let a droid see him. So that was like the first step. But then, you know, when he, in the scene, Thomas, that you're talking about, where he had to take his helmet off for the the face scanner Mm -hmm. to read his face, he did that to save Grogu's life. And so that was more important. And then finally at the end, he took his helmet off to say goodbye to Grogu. And, you know, it's like, here we see these steps leading up to a change in his character. And it's not because an actor threw a hissy fit. It's because the writers planned it out. And, you know, it's, it's just irritating to see where people are spreading rumors that are unfounded that end up proving to be false. Well, I, I might be misquoting this, this saying, but I can't remember where I heard this, but it's something along the lines of what do people love more than idolizing heroes, tearing them down? Mm-hmm. And that's that's literally what it's like with with this. You know, I, I was, you know, I know, Steve, you and I were briefly talking about that before we started the show and I was reading up on it and I was just like, 
on, on what on what basis are you reporting that? Like, how do yeah. you know that this happened? Because, like you sources. said, it, it yeah, <laughs> unnamed sources. But um, no, it, it makes perfect sense because it it made for a emotional moment because it shows how much he cares about Grogu, because it's ingrained it's ingrained in the viewer fairly early that his creed is very important to him. But the fact that he would break it to save Grogu's life shows the importance of their bond. Right. And then, like you said, that whenever Grogu leaves in the finale, it's just like, if you didn't tear up when that happened, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Oh, right. Well, and the same person that was trying to those rumors also was saying the book of Boba Fett is going to be season three of The Mandalorian because they fired Pedro Pascal and now Boba Fett's going to be taking over. And that was clearly debunked. And it's like, come on, why are you doing it? Oh, I know why, because it gets people to click on YouTube videos and puts more money in our pocket. So, but it's just, it, I don't know, like I said, it, that kind of reporting or so-called, it's just rumor mongering, it's tabloid journalism um, and, and to some degree out, outright lies. And there are a lot of YouTube channels that are like that, that are just, mm -hmm. you know, they, it's, it's just frustrating to see as opposed to, you know, hey, let's, let's enjoy the show. Let's revel in, in the, you know, the joy that it brings us as fans, as opposed to trying to be negative and tearing it down. That's why I avoid YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Says a YouTuber. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> sometimes creators can't help it. We try to avoid the all that stuff, but yeah, sometimes we can't. On a lighter note, talking about that same episode, whenever um, I think it was Mando who says to Boba Fett, well, why don't you do the facial recognition? And he's like, well, there's a good chance they'll recognize me. That made me laugh out loud when that oh, happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how it whittled down. It's like, I can't go in. I'm I, I, Or Mig says, you know, Kara can't go in. Kara, Kara, whatever her name is. She's definitely not Supergirl, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, what about you? And Finnick Shan's like, I'm wanted by the ISB. Well, that's not a good sign. And then he just looks at Boba Fett and he's like, let's just say they might recognize my face. And I'm like, yeah, they will. You dirty little clone. You also, aren't you wanted for like leaving the empire dry, hang dry right before something? I'm pretty sure you are. Um, and it's just like, Oh, okay. So Mando has to do it. And then of course, Migs is like, you know, is it, you can't take your helmet off or you can't show your face. Cause there is a difference. And it's like, mm, this Bostonian, this space bastion guy over here is just spitting truths. <laughs> it does prove that there is a space Boston. The fact that they cast Bill Burr. <laughs> who did surprisingly well in that. Like whenever he showed up in the first great. episode, I'm like, wait, Bill Burr? And But yeah, after that first episode he was in, I'm like, I, I want to see more of him. Well, I, you know, I season really one good. was filled with comedians. Yeah. yeah, just like every episode, it seemed like it had some comedian in, in a role. And I mean, they did bring Horatio Sands back for uh, uh, the first episode of season two. Mm -hmm. But uh, and then they brought Bill Burr back, of course. But it's like, Amy okay, this is really interesting casting. You know, Jason Sudeikis uh, showed up in the episode and you okay. know, a few others where it's like, just interesting. <laughs> 
it's such a serious show that you got to bring in these comedians for these other roles because they're the comedic relief to calm everyone down for a couple moments because very rarely do we have man the the passenger is the only episode that i remember of mando being the comedic relief he just wanted a nap man it's been a long day he had to he had to kill a crate dragon then he got attacked then he had to walk back to most Eisley. then he had to carry this frog lady couldn't go into hyperspace got stopped the x-wings show up then he's in a chase then he tries to catch a nap then frog lady goes on the way also freaks him out because droid zero is what uh, zero is that his name i don't know i don't know i can't the droid the droid from that one episode that I like from Rick Femi UA shows up and then he tries to take another nap and it's just like, fine, I'll fix the ship. And then he has to fight space spiders. And let's and not he... forget the eggs. Yeah, oh, dude, I was about <laughs> to say that. I'm still upset about that. Everyone's like, oh, he's a baby. And I'm like, and babies should still know not to kill. <laughs> I have just food for him. And it did have a great about. payoff. The next episode where he's like, something lives in this? What? I want one. <laughs> everyone's everyone's like. <laughs> I, I, he does. He does like frogs. So, is, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys think of the name Grogu? I'm fine with it. Same. It, I, it took. Oh, go ahead. It took me a long time not to call him Grogroot. Um <laughs> And sometimes I, I still say it. I am Grogroot. Like, it's so hard because I have weird dyslexia on certain things. And that one, I'm like, why does that work? Groot. Oh, that's why it works. Damn it. They got me. <laughs> Merchandising. <laughs> and uh, But did you know that that was actually spoiled months ago from, yeah, like three months before the, the season even premiered, a security guy told his friend that the baby's name was Grogu and it was posted on Reddit. And I read that and I was like, that's a, st-. I was like, that's not the name. That is like, that's literally <laughs> pulling a name out of your ass. And it's just like, Oh, this is the name. And then it turned out to be the name. And I was like, why do I know that name? And then someone posted, it was like, it was spoiled on Reddit three months ago. I was like, I read that. That's why I was like, yeah, that's, that's his name. Of course that's his name. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you talk about spoilers real quick. Um, when Return of the Jedi came out, I was like 15, I think. And I actually knew that Luke and Leia were twins before I saw the movie. Before the movie came out. Wow. So even back then, just before the internet, uh, there was still news that leaked out and, you know, through different publications and whatever. I, I <laughs> read about that. And I actually was reading the novelization um, before the movie they, they released the book like a month before the movie came out. So I was you know, reading it before I actually saw the movie. And I was like, okay. That, I know what's happening before I go into it. <laughs> that's a, that's a weird marketing plan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> things have changed. <laughs> well, not too much. Cause episode one, they released the soundtrack like a month early and it was like Qui-Gon's oh, yeah. death. And it's like, yeah. well, spoiler alert. They're killing Qui-Gon's noble end. That's what, yeah. Also, speaking of soundtracks, they didn't add the Boba Fett beat into like the season two part two release from Ludwig. And I'm really upset because it has been stuck in my head for over a week now. 
And all I can think of is I need to work out to this song because it is glorious. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm going to go destroy like an entire hut clan and be king of the castle. I dig it. So let's talk about the finale because I we've been alluding to it as far as who showed up. So I, I want to walk you through my morning. I, I told you my initial reaction. So mm -hmm. I'm sitting there, I'm watching the episode and then I see the X-Wing go by and I initially don't think anything of it. But then when they ask the X-Wing to identify themselves and they don't say anything, I'm sitting there like, wait a minute. And then I see the hood and I'm like, no, it, <laughs> no. And then of course, you know, you see the, the green saber and you see the, the hilt from, Luke's Return of the Jedi Saber, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm just like holding my hand over my mouth, like just trying so hard not to just scream as loud as I possibly can. And what happened was it reminded me so much of that end of Rogue One when Vader's in that hallway and he just oh, yeah. go and he just tears the rebels to shreds. It was honestly one of the coolest moments in Star Wars history that has been captured on film. Well, you know, it, 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 it's interesting too. If you listen to the music, mm -hmm. it's kind of sad music. It's not big, epic, heroic music. There's like this, just, it's very downbeat. And it's almost like kind of the music is telling us, yeah, this is not a good thing for him to be doing this. <laughs> mm. So we'll, we'll start with you, Thomas. How, how did you initially react as you were watching this for the first time? See, we had very different uh, uh, through lines. Um, I, I tried to watch it with my dad. So I avoid, I woke up and I turned, I, you know, I was scrolling through social media while I was working or uh, while I was cooking breakfast. And it was like, oh my God, that finale. And I was like, oh, it must be crazy because normally people wait until at least noon to start posting crap. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to avoid everything. I went to work. I was like, hey, can I get off at noon? They're like, yeah, no worries. Uh, you're not even supposed to be here today. Big facts. 100% been saying that a lot. Um, and I was like, cool, sweet, thanks. And I ended up having to do like 17 bike inspections that day. So I didn't leave till two. Was supposed to watch it with dad at lunch. Didn't happen. Go to his job. I can't watch it. Okay, you want to watch it when I come to your house? Because I was going to Georgia. Go there at 7 p.m. Gold Rush is on. I'm like, you're telling me Gold Rush is more important than Mando? We have different priorities. <laughs> Dad, I'm telling you now, I'm going to have to watch it without you because I have 45 text messages from five people asking me if I've seen it. I don't get to watch it till 2.40 in the morning on Saturday. Uh. <laughs> because I drove to Georgia and we were supposed to watch it with my buddy and I because we were camping didn't happen so i am 100 percent exhausted i'm on like hour 20 something of my day and i'm laying there the x-wing goes by and i go luke skywalker easy and then i'm like but they're not gonna do that <laughs> identify yourself he doesn't say anything i was like well i wouldn't say anything either so that's not really luke that's not anybody a very anakin vibes though i wouldn't say that then it's he i'm in he's in the hood and i'm like <clears throat> 
They're not doing Luke Skywalker. There's no way they're going to do Luke Skywalker. Green lightsaber. I'm like, it could still be Ezra, technically. <laughs> I mean, and then they show like a glove. And I was like, well, we didn't see his other hand. Is his other hand gloved? I don't know. Then we see the hilt. And I go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm in a tent next to another tent. So I can't say a thing. And I'm just like. I'm so tired. There's no way they're doing Luke Skywalker. And I have 14 text messages in a row of OMG, OMG, capitalized OMG, OMG, OMFG, OMFG. Are they really doing Luke fracking Skywalker? And then we do the hallway scene and I'm just like, well, it's obviously Luke because that's too awesome for Ezra to ever do. Not that I don't love Ezra, but he didn't fight Vader. Um, And then he takes the hood off and I'm just like, at that point, when he goes to reveal the hood, I'm trying to focus, but after 20-something hours, I couldn't see straight, and I'm watching on a tiny little iPad, and I'm like, is that Sebastian Stan? Is that, <laughs> is that CGI? Is that, and I literally did this. I was like, is that, what is happening? What is going on with his face? It looks like water is on his face. I'm confused. I'm like, this is clearly Luke Skywalker, and then he speaks, and I go, well, that's Mark Hamill's voice. How did they do that? And then it ends and I go, um, I go to sleep and I wake up and people are like, oh, what'd you think of the episode? And I'm like, I don't know how to process it. It took me five times to actually process what I saw. And I still don't believe (laughs) what I saw because I can't believe they gave us Luke Skywalker at, at or around the height of his power and hubris which is my favorite part of it because it tied in watching it over and over i'm like this leads into last jedi which i stand by as the best sequel film from that trilogy and everyone hates me for it but i don't give a damn and it had such a beautiful through line with what he did because it's like this is where he was and as soon as he loses his nephew, which I have a, I don't have kids, thank God, but I have a very close relationship with both of my nephews. And if I had to train them and then they fell to the dark side, I would just be like, you know what? I failed. I couldn't even save my nephew. I couldn't do anything. This is why I don't have kids. I'm going to go live on an island and I'm going to drink. Was it green milk or blue milk in Last Jedi? I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink oh, well, that. Last milk. Jedi, I guess it was. It was blue, green. Blue was on Tatooine. Yeah, blues yeah. on tap. Yeah, I'm gonna drink some blue milk out of space boobies and just be like, well, I tried. What about you, Steve? Um, well, I had gotten I saw a couple things online that was like just no spoilers, but oh my god, you know, type of thing. And um yeah, I got I watched it on my lunch break and was just kind of blown away. Um the thing is that when I first saw the X-Wing. I, my, my brain went back to those other characters that were introduced earlier in the season that were like the, mm-hmm. um, know, the new Republic soldiers. Are, yeah, exactly. They were, they were flying the X-Wings and because they were, you know, it was a pretty major part of uh, one or two episodes. So I just thought, oh, okay, they, they're bringing them back because at that point, our heroes have, I mean, they're, they're cornered, they're trapped, they're going to die. You know, there's just, there's no way out. So they had to kind of depend on a deus ex machina kind of situation. So I was like, 
okay, how are they going to get out of this? You see the X-Wing and like, okay, so the uh, New Republic has come and going to save the day. And then, of course, the lightsaber and everything. And I was thinking, okay, are they doing Luke? Are, are they really doing him? And if so, who's going to play Luke? Mm-hmm. And just the fact that they were holding off, revealing his face, revealing it, they were toying with us. I mean, that, that was just complete yeah. playing us. But it kept me on the edge of my seat going, are they really going to go with Luke? And and if so, how? Because I was, you know, I was getting ready to be disappointed with just a stand-in, another character, another actor playing Luke. Like, oh, okay, it's Luke, but it's not. You know, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But then when he revealed his hood and it was obviously a de-aged, you know, effect, I was very happy with that. You know, that that again, you talk about fan service. Hmm. This is what would make the fans happy to see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker and, you know, know that he was, like you said, in the prime and able to do all these amazing things. And Mark Hamill's voice came out and like, okay, I know that they de-aged him. Was it just with another actor and they slapped a, a CGI face on him, which, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how iffy it looks. I was fine with it. Um, they, there's a, a video on YouTube where they show a side-by-side comparison with that and a deep fake using Mark Hamill's real face and the deep fake looks better. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to go back at at some point and just kind of redo it with the deep fake effect. Um, but the thing is that um, at the end of the credits, I was you know watching oh, Mark Hamill, his name came up. And I had said a few weeks prior when there was all the speculation that if they get Mark Hamill to come back as Luke, that is the the coup of the century, you know, they, mm-hmm. that, that would be just phenomenal. And they did, they pulled it off. And it's like, and as I said earlier, that was really the only logical ending for the story arc and they did it. And it was very satisfying. And I'm still, you know, kind of giddy over uh, that they, they actually did that and, and surprised us with it too. <laughs> One of the best parts about that is that, it might have been the same day or maybe the day after Mark Hamill posted on Twitter. He asked anything good on TV lately. Yeah. <laughs> it was that same day. <laughs> yeah. Cause I saw that and I was like, I was like, shut up, Mark Hamill. You know, Mandalorian comes out today. You jerk. Don't even, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you saying? And then I saw it and I was like, he, uh, Oh, I, I'm glad I didn't put two and two together in my busy day. Cause I would have been very upset because I didn't have it spoiled for me at all. I'd not seen anything. I not. I never even thought we would get Luke. Not like this. Not in this way. And it, he's the one. I was like, oh, Ezra, maybe Cal Kestis. Maybe we get a new Jedi who then finds Luke, you know, kind of a middle ground. But the fact that it was Luke and the fact that it, I didn't like the CGI because it, it just, it looks watery to me. Mm-hmm. But I love that it is Mark Hamill because I can, and I could tell it was Mark Hamill and I've gotten in discussions with people about it his left eye is slightly smaller than his right eye which as mark hamill has aged is something that is a trait of his face his nose is slightly tilted to the left and his uh left mouth droops a little bit and i noticed all of those things on like the second or third rewatch how how many centimeters is it uh you know it's like about there 
<laughs> and if you're not watching, it's like, take your finger and pull it down a little bit. It's about that. <laughs> um, but it, I, in the fact that when he picks up Grogu, he does something with his forehead and eyebrows. And I was like, that has to be Mark Hamill. Cause I just got real last Jedi vibes on his eye line and the way his eyebrows move. And someone's like, no, they had a double. I'm like, yeah, they had a double for the action because Mark Hamill can't move like that in his age. I can't even move like that. And I have a bum knee. Like, that's not even bad. Um, and the fact that it was Mark Hamill is the best. And if if they end up recasting Luke, which I do hope they do, because I'd love to just see a lot more Luke and it would be cheaper to recast someone, a.k.a. Sebastian Stan, and just kind of put some prosthetics on his face to help match because they look enough alike as it is. Um, I would like that than to get CGI, like de-aging someone over and over and over and have to strategically cut and position things and and craft things so that we don't see his face all the time. Um, Because then that would kind of make it harder for Luke and Grogu to connect. You know, if you compare how Luke talk to everybody else versus how Ahsoka and Grogu and Ahsoka and Mando interacted. There's a, there's a large difference in how it comes off to the audience. And that's what I'm, that's the only reason I want them to recast that. And I would love to see Sebastian Stan kick some butt with a lightsaber and maybe a metal hand. I don't like the gloves. I'm just, I'm that guy. I don't like the glove. I think I'm the only one who doesn't like the glove on Luke. I like seeing the, the metal hand. <laughs> And that does bring up a good point. Will we see more Luke? Or is this a one-and-done thing? We're going to have to see Luke again, I think, um, at least one more time. And it may not be an extensive interaction, but um, there's going to have to be some... At some point, and it may not be the first episode of Season 3, but at some point, Din is going to be reunited with Grogu. Mm-hmm. And how how they work that into the story, who knows? Um, but if it's a situation, I mean, let's face it, Luke Skywalker is not going to lose Grogu. You know, yeah. <laughs> that that would be really questionable. You know, as far as storytelling, so there has to be some reason why Mando has to come for Grogu, or um, you know, I don't know. I, but there has to be some reason that they, that they give for him to, to, to be reunited. And Luke really needs to be there for that. So, um, you know, I mean, I have ideas of what I would do, but I'm sure they're completely different than what uh, Favreau and Filoni will be doing. <laughs> Steve, I want to hear your ideas because I want to know if we have the same ideas. Um, no, nah, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll talk about my ideas because I think the only way we get Grogu without Luke Skywalker is if Mando is in trouble and Grogu disobeys Luke, which he's a baby, so I'm not sure how he'd pull this off, and does what Luke did in Empire because wouldn't that be, you know, the uh, learner becoming the master where, you know, Luke left Yoda to go save Han and Leia and now Grogu, a species of Yoda, leaves Luke to go save Mando and company. I think that would be a beautiful parallel um, and taking what happened and flip it on and said, I don't think that happens. I do think Luke would just be like, yeah, let's go slay some. uh, I I mean, I'm, 
I, I honestly think that Thrawn is on the throne of Mandalore and all these shows are going to converge and that Grogu and Luke are going to come in and make the save at the very end to help push over and retake Mandalore. I think that's where it's all building for these that big event series they were talking about. I think that's the that's when we'll see Luke again. I don't know. I don't think and Grogu. I don't really think we get them in Mando season three. Maybe we get a little bit of a hint here or there, you know, building up to it. But I highly doubt that. I feel like that's, uh, you know, the way they did Luke is how they should do Grogu from now on. He should be a commodity. It should be. I can't believe I'm going to make a uh, reference to this wrestler because I can't stand him because of what he does. Brock Lesnar shows up, makes the save, does the thing, brings in the viewers, and then just goes back to whatever it is they're doing at the new Jedi Council. I actually think that's a really good comparison. Oh, the Brock Lesnar thing? Yeah. God, I feel so dirty saying it. No, but you're you're right, though. No, and, and... I agree with you in the sense that I think, you know, I think we will see Luke again, but it has to be a big moment for him to come back. And if you see him too much, it's going to kind of ruin the novelty of it. So I think Mm -hmm. we see him one, maybe two more times. Well, here's something to chew on also. You know, there's been hints, and even Luke kind of said it, that Rogu has some leanings to the dark side. Hmm. And it could be that Luke is not able to train him effectively, you know, that, you know, because we don't know how much Luke has been training at this point and kind of tying in with the last Jedi, like, like Thomas, you were saying, which by the way, I'm, I like the last Jedi also. I, I think it's a good yeah, strong same um, I have a feeling you would Steve, but you know, in, in Luke's character arc specifically, is that he fails and has to overcome that. And he has to, you know, to basically return as, mm-hmm. as uh, who he was again. Um, but maybe this was an early hint that not everybody who's force sensitive is ready to be a Jedi. And that could be the reason why Grogu leaves Luke in the training you know, maybe he has just enough training to be able to, you know, because he's still a baby. I mean, let's face mm-hmm. it, unless we do a time jump, he's still going to be a baby for next, you know, number of years. Um, but Mando's arc specifically is to become a father. And his arc isn't done yet. You know, there's still a lot of, you know, learning that he has to do as far as who he is as a Mandalorian. Um, but, you know, him giving up Grogu was part of his growth, but I still think Grogu needs him as a father. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be really how they, I mean, the, how they tie it in. I don't, I don't really know exactly, but I think ultimately the story is going to be that Grogu needs a father, not a Jedi teacher. Which is an interesting mirror to how honestly the same thing with Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren, you know, he obviously had a very close relationship with his father. It's kind of very put on there because, you know, Leia is like, I shouldn't have forced him to go because that's when I lost both of you. And it's like, oh, okay. That's a very intriguing line that has so much subtext to it that we as an audience at that, at that time didn't really get. 
but I was already kind of leaning towards that. And the way that, you know, I have this, I know what I need to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it and how that keeps coming back. And that's who shows up to him when he has his moment of weakness. And when he goes back to being Ben Solo, I'm wondering, you know, based on what you said, I wonder if Luke feels he can help Ben because he helps Grogu overcome that dark side. And then Grogu ends up leaving because I know I'm the only one in the world who thinks this except for one <laughs> other person. I still think Mando is force sensitive. I don't think he's force strong, but I do think he's force sensitive. There's certain cues that have popped up. He's just too damn good at fighting on a level that most Mandos aren't. He's got like an extra sense. So I think he's force sensitive. And I think Grogu will go try and help train him a little bit and at least keep Mando balanced because, you know, Mando was running with a bad crew. And if you look at his character trajectory, you know, he was raised in a cult. That has to be terrible. I've never been raised in a cult, so I don't know. Uh, and then he goes on, he goes on, and he's, you know, working for uh, less than, working with less than good folks, the same people we saw in the heist, uh, the prisoner episode, excuse me. And then as soon as we find out he's in a cult, everything that happened before made so much sense. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay. He's already taken his mask off for a droid. He's overcome that fault. He loves this kid and he will do anything for this kid. And he's already started raising him with the whole eggs, you know, be the first person to tell Grogu no. And as the season goes on, he literally will die to save this kid. And that really pushes it towards, um, you know, being more of a light side trait. And he needs community now versus doing everything alone. You know, the dark side versus the light side traits. And I think that his best scar not being painted and being silver slash gray is a, an, a, an, a foreshadowing using imagery that he's going to be a balanced force user. Because like he says in his very first, maybe his second line is, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And it's like, if that isn't a gray seeking balance, <laughs> then I don't know what is. Well, there's also, um, back to Grogu, uh, a lot of uh, discussion as far as, oh yeah, he goes off to train with Luke and then uh, gets murdered by Kylo Ren. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering which I, one you of know, you two would bring that up. Well, first off, that's like, you know, decades out yeah. still you know that's that's not something that's going to happen right away so um you know, like i said i really feel like um Rogan's going to be leaving luke's training at some point and be re returned to uh to Ben. and you know father and son will be reunited again <laughs> you know, so i don't think that that's going to be a concern <laughs> yeah no and and plus grogu is much too popular of a character to just spend that much time into to just have him killed off screen and that'll be the the first episode of season three flash forward to <laughs> kylo ren's training and then boom <laughs> let's fast yeah. forward 15 years and then let's kill everyone's favorite character that's how we bring in the no. ratings <laughs> no we're gonna see in the first episode of season three luke takes um grogu to his temple i'm gonna leave you in the care of my best student ben solo <laughs> he'll take great care of you no i i agree with you guys i i think at some point 
he will leave uh, Luke and go back with with Den, and that that will be a big moment that happens because that'll be something that everyone waits on because that's all that's been the dynamic of this entire show Mm -hmm. is the relationship with these two characters so i I think there will be a period of time in season three where they are not together but by the end of it they'll be they'll be back together because they they can go on with the show for several years i think so i i think that will be a big thing they lead up to for season three but a lot of well, you know, Grogu will be growing up at some point. So you know, they got to show quickly. I I think it would be cool if because I know uh, Taita Watiti is uh, doing a Star Wars movie. I would love to see a flash forward hundreds of years from now and see Grogu in his prime. Derek, I think get he out would of do. My head. <laughs> I think he would be great to direct a Grogu. Uh, not maybe not necessarily a Grogu centric movie but have him be involved as an adult would be really cool. I want to see a Yaddle movie. That's that though. That's what Taita Watiti needs to do. <laughs> Yaddle, yeah. a star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really love that idea of, of that flash forward. And if Taika does do a Grogu centric movie, which is oh, super duper in the realm of possibility, since we know nothing about what's going on, it would make a lot of sense that Grogu having, you know, uh, he's, you know, he had his fun time as a baby, but also he's questioned a lot of what Din Djarin slash Mando has done. And he's also picked up on certain things that uh, Mando has done. He does certain things in the same way Mando does. I've noticed, I mean, he is a puppet, so there are certain minute motor functions that aren't the same as a human but i've noticed that certain head tilts are done the exact same way as mando and i i think that's not i think it's done on purpose to kind of show that they are they are coming together and bonding in a way that is only comes with love and affection and as ahsoka said um he he looks at you as a father and he doesn't want to lose you and it's very intriguing that she says that considering that Grogu and Anakin would be about the same age. And there's a rumor that only a dyad in the force can do force healing. And I've not come across that before. So who knows? Everything is, and nothing is canon and everything is canon all at the same time. Thanks, Dave Filoni, for making it way difficult to keep track of things. Um, but my favorite thing with Grogu, I just wanted to say really fast is the face touch he gives Din Djarin. And all I could think about was Han reaching out to Ben both times and just being like, my son. And since Grogu's older than Din Djarin, he's like, my son. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. I have nothing. I have nothing. who raised who (laughs) the son becomes the father and the father becomes the son (laughs) so last thing I want to ask you guys before we wrap up here where and I know this is tough because there's a lot of individual Star Wars movies shows where would you rank Mando as far as your enjoyment of Star Wars because I'll be perfectly honest like the original trilogy will always hold a special place for me. 
You know, I, I saw the movies at a very early age and saw the special editions when they were re-released. I've watched them numerous times on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. I would put Mando be- right below the original trilogy. I like Mando more. I enjoyed Mando more than the prequels, the new movies. Not to say that those are bad, but there's just something like... this. It has that certain magic that I felt like the original trilogy had. Not saying that, you know, the prequels and the sequels are bad, but Mando just stands out to me, like, from the storytelling aspect, bringing in all these really talented filmmakers to all come together and tell this really great story that spanned over two seasons. It's it's just, it's special. It's a very special series, in my opinion. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. I think it is the best live-action Star Wars TV series. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, it, it, yeah, I would agree with you. So if you're looking at just the trilogy as one body of work, um, yeah, it, it's, it's right there. I mean, obviously, you know, I was there with the original Star Wars, so, you know, it's... it's I used to say Star Wars isn't a movie, it's a life. And, you know, those, it's a little bit easier now that we've had so much of Star Wars and so many different offshoots to say, yeah, it's a movie. And yeah, these are individual films that have, you know, good qualities and some bad qualities and so, so on and so forth. But that original trilogy you know, those movies were something special. Those weren't just movies. Just the mm-hmm. amount of love and care that went into the making of them. And not to mention just the, I mean, the sheer audacity of trying to build a world like that and put it on screen um, was far above anything else that, that was out at that time. And and, and just the, the special effects, of course, were so innovative. And, and you know, I, I used to look at just even things like You'd see the um, on the Death Star and the the you know landing bay, and you see um, starships out in the background, just kind of floating floating out there. So they would have had to have done optical printing for every one of those in different layers. Just why? Just because they needed to build this world, and so that level of detail was not lost on me. And not to say that prequels or the sequels didn't have that because I think in their own way they did. Um, but I think that um, just the, the sheer cohesiveness of the series and like I said, the level of detail and the level of care and love that's being put into the making of this, at least up to this point um, is on par with what they did with the original trilogy. Thomas. Mm, this is such a hard question. I'm the guy who makes who says Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie because I have trouble picking my favorite Star Wars movie. And Rogue One has, I mean, it gave me, Rogue One is a war film that gives me Darth Vader at the height of his power. And it gives the creation of the Death Star and it kills everyone in the plot. So like, I just picked that because it's kind of a, I don't know how to choose out of 11 films. And that one gives me enough stuff to go. It's everything I've always wanted from a Star Wars film. In terms of, I like the idea of just going trilogies and shows because that makes it so much easier. 
I do have to preface by saying that I'm the guy who loves when everything, all the threads tie together. I like Back to the Future 3 more than all of the other Back to the Future <laughs> movies because of all the payoffs and the tie-ins and the Easter eggs. So I think I might have to put, I mean, right now, you know, it's a week and two days away from the end of season two. Mandalorian is probably at my top. I don't go back. I mean, every year I go back and watch all the Star Wars movies for sure. I do it all the time. It's kind of a tradition. It's the only reason I enjoy Christmas, actually. Um, but with Mando, I, I've randomly gone on and tossed on certain episodes, which I don't always do. I'm kind of anal about storylines and keeping up with them. But I've thrown on the heist episode a few times. Or, excuse me, the prisoner episode a few times. I've thrown on Bo-Katan's episode a couple of times. Just because I'm like, this is a great singular story that I want to enjoy. And it takes everything from the prequels, everything from the original trilogy, certain things from Rogue One, <clears throat> Luke Skywalker hallway scene, uh, things from the Clone Wars, some of my favorite characters from the Clone Wars. They've brought them into live action. They've tied it all in and they've set up stuff for the sequel trilogy. To me, the Mandalorian is special because it has the ability to do something original, something never done before, something that's already been done, something that's been done in 50 different decades. And it ties it all in to something that is unique. And that is so difficult to do. And the only thing I can think of that the Mandalorian really compares to is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like you've got the original trilogy, which is its own story. You've got the prequel trilogy, its own story. You've got the sequel trilogy, its own story. Sure. Well, sort of its own story. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's got like four <laughs> stories going on. And why is Dominic Monaghan in that movie? I'm not going to get into that rant because it really bothers me. Um, but you've got the, the, you know, they're super separated both by time and what's going on, but they have certain things that kind of, go through and there are certain little lines like oh thank the maker as he's in the same room he was created in in a new hope c3po but the mandalorian takes everything that's happened and it goes this is what star wars is and it's kind of like once phase three hit and in the mcu they were just like we know what we're doing we know where we've made mistakes and we're just going to give you something that you didn't know you needed and make you pay us for it. And that is probably why the Mandalorian is at the top because it's revolutionized Star Wars. It has, it has re, reasserted Star Wars as probably my favorite franchise. And that's saying a lot because I have uh, just, I have more Marvel stuff in my house than I do Star Wars, but Star Wars was my first love outside of Power Rangers, and even Star Wars overtakes Power Rangers. There's something about space and Westerns and the way they bring it all together that is just absolute perfection. And the you Mandalorian know, it's, it's, found a way to do it in a whole new realm and reality. And also in like the worst year slash decade ever of 2020. It's too bad that J.J. Abrams did not watch uh, Back to the Future Part 3 and study the way that uh, you should wrap up the trilogy. I've heard from folks in the industry that JJ <clears throat> loves questions more than answers. Yeah. And as soon as I heard that, I went, that explains every movie 
of JJ ever. And now yeah. I understand why I'm always a little bit underwhelmed in the final act. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know him. how to end stories. Well, guys, before we get out of here, uh, is there anything else, uh, anything you want to plug as far as uh, upcoming projects, uh, website, social media? Thomas, do you want to plug your podcast? Oh, my. I have so many things to plug. Um, Lights, Thunder, Action. We go live every week. Uh, it was supposed to be Mondays, but work got in the way. We talk DC, Marvel, Star Wars, and whatever's happening in the movie industry. We're about to start the trilogy of trilogies this week for, uh, building up to WandaVision. We're covering all the movies Wanda was in, which turns out to only be three movies in 15 minutes of a fourth. Um I said WandaVision isn't, but uh, we're doing that. You can find us at Lights Thunder Action Show on Facebook, at Lights Thunder Action, all one word, no, no, no hyphens, no spaces on Instagram. Uh, LTA Podcasting, that's L-T-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G on Twitter. And uh, we stream to our Facebook and the HWWS Web TV channel on YouTube. You can find Thor Watches The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2 on my Facebook, Thomas Carter Rochester hyphen actor or on Instagram at Thomas Carter Rochester, all one word, no hyphens, no spaces, or Life of Thor on YouTube. And also, you can buy merchandise, because merchandising is the thing. Merchandising, merchandising for Light Stender Action and Thor watches at lotproductions.threadless.com forward slash collections. Um, we have a lot of great con- uh, uh, uh art created from a couple of graphic artists including uh josh bauer and our social media guru terry mciver which he he designed my face and david thompson's face and then wrote lights thunder action in there and it's possibly my favorite thing that's ever been created and i can't wait to get my david thompson shirt to wear every week on the podcast i love that steve you got anything um, well, if you want to learn more about me, um, go to stephenjwise.com. Uh, it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N. <laughs> and uh, might be able to uh, get some links to some of the things I've written if you're interested in that. Um, we do have Pensacon that's coming up in two months, uh, <laughs> the end of February. And uh, it, it should be... Uh, interesting experience this year so um we're moving forward with it in a very safe manner so um tickets are on sale right now you always look forward to pensacon it's gonna be it'll be fun yeah well and i think you know and i know you guys will you know take the proper precautions and everything but i i think it'll be it'll be a much needed thing for yes. everybody after everything that's been going on so so when your stimulus check comes in uh you put aside a little bit of money to buy a ticket to pensacon we're doing things in a very safe manner and we want to make sure that everybody has fun but is you know protected right absolutely well guys thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show this was great i i could talk star wars all night i think we have well you know it's not midnight yet no (laughs) thanks for having me derek i always love coming on the show and i I, I, if you if you like star wars man uh that's all david and i talk about in our group chat so (laughs) fantastic well 
If you guys want to follow this show on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, it's on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. Just search for the Derek Diamond Experience. And if you could, uh, please leave a review. The more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public. If you want to check out my Patreon, it's at patreon.com slash Podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.